Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. Um, in today's episode, we have, we talk a little bit about the concept of, of a toolbox and what tools do you have in the toolbox and how do you use those. And we're not really talking about actual tools, but we're talking about um, what what parts of wisdom, what part of your experiences, um, or who's the who that you use for different times when you need, you have a problem you need fixing. Um, and how do you go about doing that? So Devin and I kind of are all over the place with it, but I think we bring some pretty interesting ideas and maybe some experiences to the table of, you know, when you have something in front of you, what tool do you use to accomplish the task? So anyway, we're glad you're here. That go down the drain. Here, let me put this in. <laughs> put this in here. There, that's so much more official, right? You feel, I feel good. I, dude, I haven't, I haven't I drank feel, out of this cup for... It's got to be coli in it, I bet. For a minute. Yeah. But it's unlike the dishes at their house that's rinsed out. You know, I, I'm one of those people that I look in the cup and go, <laughs> I don't see anything. It's good. Oh, yeah. That's me. And I, I had this. this and, and then I taste the water and it's like, God, it tastes like dust. Why? Right. But, but honestly, man, like it, you've been to, you've had West Texas water. Oh, you'll, yeah. You, absolutely. you live in West Texas. Dude, that was like, four years. You'll hope for water to taste like dust. Oh, Goodness gracious. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's different. I remember when I when I moved from, oh, I forgot about you. you lived in Brownwood, right? San Angelo, San Angelo. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> and moved and you know I spent a lot of time in Georgia. Then I was up in Montana going to college and ended up back in Texas for military stuff. Yeah, and uh, I, I was I was unprepared for what the water for what the water brought in terms of like the yeah. the, the temperature of it. Uh huh. But honestly, and, and this is going to sound gross, but it, it it was like somebody farted in the water supply. Is what it tasted. Like. I don't know if I've experienced <laughs> that, but I get it. The sulfur content. I mean, it was it was it was brutal. It's really it is undrinkable. See, undrinkable. I, that reminds me of uh, Scout Camp. You know, I was a Boy Scout, and we had well water, and they would put sulfur down the well because all the mosquitoes and ticks, and because huh. if you if you drank water with sulfur in it, it gets in your system and you sweat it out, and so you're sweating out sulfur, which Evidently, ticks don't like, it's and neither do date. mosquitoes. Yeah. But man, nothing like a bunch of nasty twelve-year-old sulfur-laden boys running around sweaty. It's kind of gross. Yeah, that's. I didn't realize that was a thing. It was yeah, it's a real thing. And they I think out there it's just the you know the water table and the natural gas. I think it is too. It's in the ground, it's just all man, together. It was awful, dude. San Angelo, man, that's been a lot. I, that brings back memories when I was a freshman and sophomore in Abilene. Um. If we wanted to go dancing, we had to either go to the Methodist school, which was McMurray, and if they didn't have a dance going, we would drive all the way to San Angelo because they had some like quote unquote dance clubs, which doesn't mean doesn't say a whole lot in San Angelo. But it was a pretty good lick from Abilene, so you know we we don't we don't dance. We didn't I, dance at our college. Well, why was, did the Methodist college like where they? Because Methodists can dance. Dang, Protestants can the, dance. The Methodists can dance and drink. Really. And the Baptists and the Church of Christ can't um now the baptist would on occasion but our our perfect little school we couldn't even wear shorts on campus man. yeah you're hitting you're hitting my limit of advance of being able to talk about this stuff but that's that's interesting to me and yeah. it's san angelo i mean there's interesting is a good word let's <laughs> see keeping it politically correct <laughs> yeah yeah um i wonder what like was it like a jitterbug club or what was it <laughs> square dancing a sock hop square dancing yeah <laughs> It, it was a square. It was this. It was a square dance to uh, Run DMC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Actually, that probably was your Run DMC. Was that was that? Dude, your that one? was prime. That was prime it. time. Run DMC. That was still one of my favorite bands of all time. Really? Oh, I loved Run DMC. Is Run DMC a band or is it a group? Um, I I don't I don't. Have, what do you call a rap group? I think it's a group. Is it a group? Yeah. So if you group, is that what not, you call not it? a band. Group? No, no way, it's a band. I think a band includes instruments. I think some of them played. Did they? Run like Run Rock Rhyme. Okay. Humpty Dumpty fell down before his time. <laughs> oh, maybe drums or something like that. But like, I think I'm about sure, a band. I'm, I'm sure it was all synthesized. It was yeah, all. There's, there's people playing like, you know, yeah. guitars and yeah. things like that. Guitars. Not not many guitars in Run DMC. <laughs> on Run DMC. Yeah. Not, not really their flair. Yeah. That when, when Run DMC did that, um, what do you call it? Like two bands get together and they do a collaboration thing. Um, that was with uh, Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. And that literally relaunched Aerosmith's second generation of music i remember when um lincoln park did that with was it jay-z I think it was jay-z yeah Brennan says yes yeah was it it's same kind of thing yeah and you know that yeah they call it a collaboration or i don't know yeah. i don't know what it's called it's a handsome man that jay-z he really is yeah it, money money makes you look good baby dude you talk about i randomly me and my brother-in-law were sitting on the on the dock on new year's eve like just curious about the net worth of individuals yeah right? everybody right. from roger staubach to troy aikman to to yeah. jay-z yeah and you know jay-z i think he's worth a billion it's got to be independently and then you know obviously beyonce same kind of thing yeah but, you know dr dre's worth over a billion like some some of those iconic rappers and it's not because of music royalty it has nothing to do with that it, it's it's people that they managed or in investments right. or, and yeah brands and, and brands, brands they bought into yeah, yeah. it's crazy like some, yeah. some people well, you dr dre seen, did beats and sold beats to apple for gargantuan amount of money yeah yeah I, I remember like those are nice headphones too like my problem with something like that i have a tendency to drop the beats <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know what I, I don't know where to go after that <laughs> it's really that's a okay you, you know what that is <laughs> you're officially a dad now you're telling dad that's a dad joke that's not just a joke that's a pure dad joke somewhere about, okay if i was your kid my eyes would be rolling right somewhere now. about 25 miles east of here lisa's skin just crawled without even knowing why <laughs> your your level of attractiveness oh, just went down two notches oh, goodness gracious yeah. you know but like anytime that comes i can't help it like i've i've said that same stupid line a yeah. hundred times before mainly it's just with the little the vegetable like the little spicy dirt apple thing Oh, that's a radish. Never mind. Sorry. I'm thinking of but a beef, like the actual vegetable. <laughs> dirt radish. What'd you call it? A dirt a vegetable? Radish? A spicy you called dirt it a, apple. You called it a dirt apple. Yeah, a spicy dirt apple. A radish? I've never in my life heard that. That's what they taste like. Well, they don't. A, a radish tastes nothing like an apple. A spicy dirt apple. It looks like an apple. A spicy, it's spicy and it tastes it is, like dirt. Okay, so a spicy dirt apple. Dirt apple. Hmm. Wow. I, I'm going to, I'm going to think about that one think for a about while. That. You're going to go buy radish on the way home from work. No, I will not. <laughs> they're, Cause they're gross. They're not good. <laughs> what do you uh, put radishes on anyway? It's a trash can. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think people salads or whatever. Oh, I guess. I don't I know. Like, I do like beets though. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the double under the beet juice margarita? Still one of the, my favorite things. I haven't, I haven't had it in the, forever, yeah. but they, I don't, it, I don't know how much tequila they put in those things though. Not enough. Yeah, because you could, they were called double unders, and you could do, after seven, you could do double unders. Yeah, it, it, and that's pretty much a, the universal truth for most drinks is like how much tequila is in it, and it's not enough. That's true. 
unless you make it yourself, then you can do whatever. Yeah, then it's yeah. I, you know, still my favorite margarita is, is Cliff's. Oh, the, the one Cliff makes. Yeah, the, the, no, 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 the 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 one that Cliff. Uh, yeah, I was new. Was, he called it the Woodbridge. It was with. Uh, oh, wait, it was tequila. a Woodbridge. I was thinking Woodbridge, like the yeah. bourbon, but Woodridge. Used, yeah, uh, Salerno. Which that was his street. The core about that. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, orange juice, lemon juice, or lime juice. Sorry, I and, think the uh, one. Did he use? Did he use orange juice? No, he he yeah. used. Did he use? I thought he used uh, Grand Marnier. See the the one he he's the one that actually introduced me to Salerno, which is a blood orange liqueur okay. that you use in, instead of Grand Marnier or okay. Contrao or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a well. Back in his paleo days, it was like just straight lemon juice, tequila. Called it the NorCal margarita, right? Just lime juice and and it was I think it was that and maybe a little bit of agave. Yeah, which you know, which agave, is really just, is it really? Is it just? No, that, that's, it, that's, that's that's not that's really ranch water. That's not really carnivore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a ranch water with tequila and lime juice and yeah and soda yeah. water. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I had a few of those in my days. You just a couple, man. Yeah, I don't. What are we even talking about today? Uh, I think I think we came from. Uh, San Normally, An- we come up with a segue. We, we were started San Angelo. We were talking about San Angelo and the water and stuff. So, um, I guess you know if you have water that's got all those minerals in it, the best way to handle that is to get a filter system. So okay. I guess. Having a filter system cleans the water up and makes it exactly like you want. So you solve the problem with a tool. See where I'm going there? Huh. I see what see you where did I'm there. Going there? Yeah, I see thanks. what you did. Thank you. Thank so, you. what kind of the overarching topic is? You know, how to make sure that you're leveraging, leveraging your own internal skill set and using the right tool for the job. Yeah, right. I, kind of, I think it's kind of goes back to this. The idea of this thing came from a, it's like an email. You know, the subject line is how, what gets you to right. the content. And so we kind of started with a subject line of using the right tool for the job. And then we're going to fill in the content behind the subject line. And we normally are as confident as the amount of BSing that we do. Because like, I think the less confident we are in an episode, the more we just try to talk about random stuff before we get into the meat of it. <laughs> Which is every single podcast <laughs> Pretty we much, do. yeah. Like yeah. Sophie will, will hold up, she'll do her five-minute thing. And we're like, oh, we, we haven't, haven't got even, into it yet. We haven't even talked about the topic. But we're doing good now. I think we're doing good today. I guess so, yeah. Okay, so let's let's get to it. So using the right tool for the job. And I, and I think the thought behind this was, you know, i.e. a skill set tool that you have. Right. Um, what, you know, I have a situation, good or bad, and what have I used before? What's in my tool bag to be able to tackle this thing or solve it? Or when is it you don't have the right tool or don't know how to use those tools and make a phone call? Mm. Right. And, and, and I think the idea we talked about was, you know, with tools, it's, man, I've, my water heater's out and I need to replace my water heater. I've never replaced a water heater. Probably need to call somebody or call a buddy. That's done it before so that I can learn how to do it in case I need to do it. So that was kind of an example, but it's not just about fixing stuff, but it's about situations. Yeah. Right. And so I have, you know, we, we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, we had something we needed. We didn't, you and I had never done before. And, um, I had met a gentleman, gosh, years ago that's been through that before. And so we both called him, went to dinner and talked it out and, and he was the right tool, right? We he's done this before, and he gave us some great advice on what to do. And uh, you know, he was and somebody that's been through it before, learned from them. And so he happened to be the right tool. So that's just some examples of some things I was thinking about. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think you think of the physical manifestation of of your your skill set, right? Like I I can fix a water heater, I can fix a roof, I can't fix electric or whatever. But I think so much more for me, it's about the emotional tool set, right? The, my emotional okay. skills and let's my, go, let's go down that the psychological then. skills to be able to know how to deal with a given situation or even the intellectual skills for a specific work situation. Right. Where like when to, to be the one to dive in to fix that problem and when 
to recognize that I am not the one to do it because it's mm -hmm. outside of my skill set, or maybe yeah. we have somebody who has a sharper skill in that particular area and the emotional intelligence to then pass it off to them to delegate it to the person who's best for the job. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's good. But in, in the last podcast, I was actually listening to that on uh, on the way to work today. And uh, I, one thing is, man, we're good. We're so good. I'm so impressed with who we are and how we communicate. Oh, me? Both Did of us. I was listening to our podcast. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah. In other news, water is wet, but yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but one of, the, one, of the things, one of the things we were talking about was the whole uh, empathy versus fix it thing. Mm. So that's a great example of a tool, right? Yeah. It took me a long time to figure out that's a thing. But when you get it and you know how, you know what that fixes, in, the, in our case, every man has that, that issue that comes up. And, you know, we talked about a great tool that you can use to not fix it because we can't fix it, which do I listen or mm. and use empathy or do I solve it, right? And asking the question. So if you haven't listened to, have, if that intrigues you at all, go listen to the last podcast run and go through it again. But that's that's example of a tool. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about empathy as the, in any kind of situation that you're faced with and trying to figure out if you're the one to fix it or not. Empathy will buy you the time to be able to fix it. Yeah, or be able, or buy you the time to. You, if you show empathy in some of those situations, you may not even have to even use a, a skill set because you've used the skill set of empathy. Exactly. And a lot of times, it, it it works well enough to diffuse the situation to where the situation is done. Well, and and you know, a lot of times when we have a problem we're facing, you know, the first thing we as men, and we talked about this the last podcast, first thing we do is like, w w let's fix it. And you know, depending on the situation, whether that's at home or at work. You know, sometimes we have to pause and not just immediately attack it, right? Because um, it, it may need a little empathy, may need a little bit of of thought. And uh, you and I talked about that. We had we had a situation where um, I guess it was about two weeks ago, and you know, you called me and said, "You know what, man? I've, I'm going to put this thing that we're going to do on pause." And I've been thinking about it, and I just don't feel like it's right right now. And let's figure this out. And so. You and I talked about it. We both agreed. And and sometimes the best thing to do is just sleep on it, yeah. you know, and think about it or discuss it. Um, we tend to overreact and, you know, go back to the, the analogy of the tools is, man, you know, first thing, first thing we tend to do is grab, reach the toolbox and grab a hammer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever it is, man, we're going to beat it down. We're going to, you know, we're going to tear it up. We're going to, you know, always bend it back or whatever it is. And, you know, Man, sometimes that leaves some scars or maybe that winds up demolishing everything we were trying to accomplish. Yeah, and, and I, for me, and you're kind of the same way. Like, I'm a walking sledgehammer. Like, I'm a default sledgehammer. Yeah. I've been that way my entire life. Yeah. And, and I, hours of therapy, yeah. to, to hundreds of hours of therapy <laughs> to work on that. And and I, I once thought that it, I, I could turn my hammer into a scalpel. And what the hours of diving into that taught me is that no, you can't. Yeah. Like your tool set, your your number one skill is to be a hammer. So don't try to turn your hammer into a into a um, scalpel. Right. Learn how to best yield your hammer. Right. You know, learn when it is most effective and learn when it's when it's not. And, and when know, to leave it in the toolbox. Right. And, and yeah, or, or you know, like how to apply various levels of pressure with that hammer. Right. And and you know, that situation that you and I are talking about, I I, I tend to 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 buy into a task. And then I'm going to get to the other side of that task very quickly mm -hmm. and as, and as, as bluntly and as honestly and as openly as possible. 
And oftentimes that ends up costing me because I, I, there's things that I don't think about enough. There's things that I don't see enough. And, and so that's why I came to your office and been like, Hey, so here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I think I'm seeing. What do you see? And right. Leverage your skill set. You're, you're, you, you think about things differently than me. I, you, I wouldn't say you're a scalpel by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no, you're no. a different kind of hammer though. Yes. Right. And we were able to kind of collectively come up with a plan and you were able to, to leverage your skill set to poke enough holes in my plan to get us to not shelve it, but slow down on it and, and you, not rush to failure. And you know what else is cool about that is, you know, by you coming to me and us talking through it, we come up with a the a plan and what we come up with is better than what we could have come up with individually. And we both walk away going, you know, that was a really good decision. Right. And when you do that, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. When you do that, so, you know, that not just knowledge, that wisdom goes back in the back of your head to go, okay, next time this happens, I was going to do this. He was going to do that. We came together and we made a decision to do this somewhere in between or opposite or completely different than what we would have done. And now I see that that worked. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one more tool that I have now that next time this happens, don't grab the hammer, right? This is a plier's job. And it's easy to say that you're going to get better the next time. But so much of this, especially for men, it revolves around ego. Or, it does. Or, or pride. Like, like I'm very prideful of my ability to get things done. Right. And, and I think as men, like we want to be the one to fix it. We want to be you, the that's one. That's what you do for a living. Really. That's, that's think one, about it. You're right, an operations guy. Yeah. We want to be the ones to come up with a solution on it. And so it, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult yeah. to put your ego aside enough to leverage somebody who's different than you, maybe even smarter than you, honestly, yeah. maybe even smarter than you, not in this particular situation we're talking about, but somebody who can, who can challenge your, your assertion that you're doing it the right way. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me go back to, you know, Colby's and Clifton's and, you know, so much of when I began to understand my strengths and my Colby's, uh, you know, I better understood why I do what I do. And, you know, part of me and, and my Colby's, and if you haven't, if you haven't heard about Colby's, if you're new to the podcast, we talk a lot about Colby's and it's kind of the way your brain works and how you solve problems. And, and for me, it's, I'm a, I'm a, very, I'm a risk taker. And so I also cut corners on things. Like, well, we've got to get here. Well, the mm -hmm. easiest route is to go from here to there instead of taking the road, right? And so with problems or issues or circumstances or opportunities even, um, you know, my thing is what, what do I have that we can use right now to get where we're going and then bulldog our way there? Or, and, and you're more of, man, let's get the map out, right? So you and I think through things differently. And, and you know, I think about home and I think about task and I think about, um, my list of things that I need to do. We all get those. The things that I hate the most, I want to do first because I want to get them out of the way. Okay. But I got to tell you, I'm just telling you right now, if it's something I really don't want to do, I'm going to half-ass it and <laughs> to get it done. And Sophie's shaking her head. She knows. It, I'm going to get it done, but it's not going to be done well. And it's not going to be done right. But I'm going to get it done because I know I have to get it off the list, but I hate doing it. And you're the kind of person that's not like that. Like you, you typically will get into it and you'll go, wow, this was, I want to learn how to do this. It's like cooking. You know, you have, we were talking about some dish of the day you made and had like 12, 12 ingredients and you had, you lost me at four. Yeah. You know, after four, I'm like, I'm not making that. But you, you get into something and go, oh, well I tweak it. And man, I, I taste it like, ah, next time I'll do this. I'm like, nah, I just want to do that again. Yeah. And, and so I'm, we go about it differently, but neither one of them is wrong. It's just different. And so to be able to see a situation where, and I know, man, I mean, sometimes 
I look at something, my first reaction, grab that hammer or that plow or that bulldozer and go, man, I'm just going to plow through this and knock it out. And, and immediately now know that's probably not the, I need, I need to call somebody or I need to go in David's office or I need to talk to so-and-so or I need another who to help me through this and make sure that, am I really thinking about this the right way? Because sometimes we think about it cause I, I, differently, but I, I want to get it done. I want to get it over with. Yeah. Or I'm upset and I just want to crush it, right? Or crush them or the situation or whatever. And talking to someone else, you go, you know, that a, you know, this is a club is not the right tool for this one, right? We need to re we need to look in inside and, and emotionally think, why are you thinking this way? And let's maybe come up with another answer, right? Yeah. Hmm. You know, the, the at home honeydew task, right? You get those? Yeah, I do. And, and, and here's the thing, like freely admit, I'm not that handy. I'm really not like blunt force type tasks. Yeah. Great. But when it comes to like, like dig a hole or like, yeah burn something yeah, like, or, like yeah. you you need a fence put up man i got you yeah now if you need like some rewiring done or something like that you know something that requires some real fine deft touch and and motor and th- skills yeah and thought and thought yeah, yeah. and that's it, it's not me right like yeah. lisa's fantastic at that stuff she she can drywall and you know like frame and just crazy. randomly yeah. she's she's a completely different animal that way but for me i i think that the tasks that become the toughest at home is again more it's not the physical stuff it's the emotional stuff and it's oh, yeah. the psychological stuff like yeah. the honeydew list of parenting Ooh. and being a good yeah. spouse right yeah. and and i again i'm an old first sergeant so like i i'm i'm a master at delegating you do this you do this you do this you do this and do it by this time and everything's all going to be done sure and man boom works we're moving great, on that works great at home happy family yeah right yeah if only yeah. a plus b equals c <laughs> and everybody's happy if if only right if only yeah and, and it doesn't it doesn't work that way for pretty much any family, let alone, you know, like we're in a blended type situation, you know, and there's, there's so much there that you have to navigate your way through. And you talk about leveraging your skill set and your tool set to be able to do that. And when you have to recognize that you're not the person for the job, that's a whole different and probably a podcast for another day. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's understanding who you are as a parent, who you are as a step parent, if you are who you are as an influence and how to best get that done. But then realize that sometimes your style isn't the best style to get it done yeah. and having the emotional awareness to let go of that mm-hmm. and not try to force that and not try to do that and, and leverage your spouse who may be better at that specific task is a, is a whole nother topic. I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and uh, we were talking about, you know, emotional intelligence at home and issues and marriage and kids. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that I highly recommend is tools is um, if you don't have one is get a therapist. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't understand yourself, it's hard for you to understand others. Um, so finding someone that can help you understand who you are and what makes you who you are, then highly recommend that. Great, one of the best tools you can have, right? The other one is um, marriage counselors. If, you know. It's a scary topic, man. It is, but you know, use, the problem is it, it's, it's kind of, a lot of people use them as life preservers. You know, the marriage is failing, so call a marriage counselor. Yeah. And by that time, man, they're they're trying to pull you both out of the water. And now you're that's a tough that's a tough go. And you know, my my recommendation is if if you're married and you haven't been to one, find one. Yeah. Find one that somebody recommends or look online or something, and um, they can help you develop some tools to solve some communication problems because that's ninety percent of it before you ever get the water 
right? Before you ever find yourself in the water and need a life preserver, they're going to help you keep from getting there. Um, mm -hmm. Another great tool to have before you actually need it, right? Because you, if, if you use it and maintain your relationship, then you don't need the big tools, right? Yeah. It's marriage counseling is such a pejorative, right? People a think what? like a pejorative. It's, it's a default negative Pe thought, right? Okay, pejorative. Like, pejorative, like, yeah. They're like, you think that if you need counseling, then you're you're at the brink, right? You're at the yeah, brink of destruction. Yeah. But it's a lot of times it's what keeps you from getting to that brink. It, it's um, yeah, it's it's getting the help before you really, 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 really have to have it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, I mean, I'm I'm on number three. So you get you can get it by repetition if you want to, but um, from from firsthand experience, I recommend I recommend a marriage counselor rather than than just sheer repetition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to respond to that. I'm just going to oh, let that one. Man. I'm going to let you address that, and I'm just going to sit here and listen. Yeah, it's a podcast for another day. It is. It is. But um, you know, Jamie and I started six months in, you know, to marriage, and uh, we've had some really good ones, some really bad ones. And um, but man, it's it's honestly it's a fantastic tool. And I know uh, I know Sophie Brendan actually started before they got married, like months was it three months That's or awesome. something like that. Um, and they went and learned kind of their, their, how they communicate independently through some testing. And then they had some people say, okay, here's the issues you're going to have with these communicate, the way you communicate, here's some tools to use to fend off some of those things or to better communicate. Um, and I think it's been really, it's been really helpful. I think, in fact, I think, uh, I think they actually go back to the same person they went through before, which is really, really cool that, you know, that person knew you before you got married. And then now that you're married you know, helping you through some of those things because they already know how you communicate. They've been through all that stuff. And that is a massive, massive good thing. <laughs> I've, I've always been wildly impressed. I've talked to multiple people about using their relationship. Like they, they communicate and are wise and interact with each other well beyond their years. Yeah. And and it's fun to see them as, as young as they are. They interact like a couple that's been married for you know, five plus to yeah. even 10 plus years. And, yeah. and I say that in the best way possible. So yeah. you you can tell that whatever investment they're making into it is, yeah. is paying off. I mean, they wanted to get married about five years ago, but that's when that didn't happen. That's another, <laughs> that's another podcast. Another day. That's podcast for another day. Yeah. But anyway, so I, uh, anything else you would say about that? I don't think so. Um, all over. I, I know one. that as you get older, man, your, your issue gets to be about your toolbox, whether that's an emotional, mental, physical toolbox gets really heavy. And, and the problem gets to be of, you know, I have all these things I can use, what in my inventory of things I have do I use for this? But um, pulling those, using them on a continuous basis helps you remember where they are and helps you know which one to use. So um, sometimes, man, you don't need those tools anymore, but if you don't need them, give them to somebody else. Don't let them just fade away or get stolen or lost. Give them away. I love it. So that's, last, that's the only advice I'm going to have on the, on the tools. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Till next time. Till next time.